Okay, so we'll, we'll start in Genesis 24, and we're going to read one verse, uh, verse 27. Genesis 24 and 27. It says, And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. So we're going to talk about I being in the way the Lord led me. We're going to be talking about God guiding us, God's guidance. Okay, so let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to have Bible study uh, online. Pray that you would bless our time together and help us to be able to meet together in person next week. And we thank you for um, this technology that we can meet together digitally um, and pray that you would uh, bless our time together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to see that uh, God devoted an entire chapter to Abraham finding a wife for his son. We must remember that the central character of the Bible is God. It is not us, right? And I will repeat that many times over the next few weeks. It's something God has really been working on my heart about. Oftentimes when we're confused about a story that's going on in our life, it's because we think we're the central character. And the fact is, is that our life is about God. We fit into God's story, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so we can see that really this chapter is about the Lord. It's really a story about God guiding someone into obedience of his commandments. And so that's something that we need to learn right away. When we're looking for God's guidance, we need, we need to make sure that we're following his will for our life, right? There are the characters in this story. The first character is God. Uh, we see Abraham, Isaac, the head servant, which his name is Eliezer. Uh, we find that earlier in the book of Genesis. And then we find the bride. We find Rebecca. Um, the father of Rebecca is not mentioned in person. It looks like that maybe he's passed away because it talks about her brother instead of her father. So as we're talking about this servant, this statement that we read in verse 27 is the servant that's saying this. Okay, so the story we can start in verse number one, and Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. I'm glad we don't do that anymore. That's a cultural thing. Um, and uh, it was like swearing an oath, and that's how they did it 3,000 years ago, apparently. One commentator suggested that perhaps it was only, he said it was only done in the Bible. It's only found amongst those who were believers in the Old Testament. And it was because, um, like it was a way of showing that, that uh, kind of like the, the lineage or the line of Christ, right? That it's kind of like this family line when they say that, um, like that, uh, the, the children came from your loins or from your, from your legs. Right. So anyway, it was just kind of a way of swearing an oath and saying, I'm going to try to keep, 
um, the line, the family line of Christ going, right? Um, the line of those who believe. All right. So he gives them directions. Um, he says in verse four, but go thou unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son, Isaac. All right. Um, and he goes on and he gives him the reason in verse seven, the Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and which spake unto me and that swear unto me saying unto thy seed, will I give this land, he shall send his angel before thee. Thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. All right. So he wants him to have a bride that believes in Jehovah God. He did not want... He did not want his son marrying one of the girls uh, from the surrounding country. And so that was because of the, that wasn't, that wasn't a racial thing. That was a, that was a belief thing, right? And so uh, that is a biblical principle uh, that we find throughout the Bible, New Testament as well, right? God blesses uh, those who believe, um, the marriages of those who believe the same, that believe in him. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying, go and get a wife from my family. Uh, and he said, and don't take my son out from the land of promise. We saw earlier where Abraham um, left the land of promise to go to Egypt, right? And we can see that it resulted in a lot of problems. And so thankfully, we can see Abraham learned that lesson. And he made sure that his son, to the best of his ability, he tried to make sure that his son did not make the same mistake that he made. He did not lead his son into going and doing uh, in the same mistake that he made. And that's something that we can learn as believers as well. When we learn a lesson, let's make sure that we try to help other people not make a mistake that we have made in the past, right? Um, and so that's a blessing from Father Abraham right there. So he goes ahead and uh, he takes all of his stuff. It says in verse 10, um, the servant took 10 camels of, uh, of the camels of his master and departed for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, even, even the time that women go out to draw water. So he shows up to the town at the time when women would come out and draw water out of the well. And then he prays, and this is where we're going to see where God guides him, right? And we're going to get into just a few points here in just a moment. But he prays in verse 12, and he says, And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day, and show kindness unto my master Abraham, meaning bless my errand, right? That's what it means. When he says, send me good speed this day. Verse 13. Behold, I stand here by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water and let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink and she, sh she shall say drink and I will give thy camels drink also. Now that's a big deal, right? Camels drink a lot of water and uh, I should have looked up how much water they drink, but let's just say that they've got the hump, 
Camels have a hump, right? <laughs> Animals don't have humps. Uh, and we know that camels, they store water in their bodies. So when they're thirsty, I'm imagining they drink a lot. April just looked it up. It says they can drink 20 gallons at a time. How many liters is that? Four times that. So 80. what's the math? 80? 80? 80. 80 liters. Right? So if she's drawing for 10 camels, <laughs> that's 800 liters. Yes. Right? So he's really giving God a test here. It, uh, not giving God a test as in he's trying to, you know, tempt God. That's not, that's, but he's basically, it would be very clear if this prayer was going to be answered. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we're looking for God to guide us, sometimes we are asking for such mysterious things. We don't know if God's guiding us or not. God, is this what you want? Is this your will? Uh, God, bless my day or bless this decision or... Show me what you want me to do. But we don't actually take the step and say, and we don't, make the, we don't make the prayer specific enough for us to even know if God is guiding us. And so we need to see that it takes faith, right? For us to ask God to guide us, it's going to take faith. And it would be unusual. It's not a big deal for you to say, hey, can I have a drink of water, right? I mean, sure, have some. He's going to take a little bit. Then he said, and let her be willing to water all of my, all 10 of my camels too. Wow. Okay. Uh, so it says in verse 14, about halfway through, it says, uh, I pray thee that may drink and she shall say drink and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and therefore shall I know that thou hast shown kindness unto my master. So he's saying, God, guide me into your choice for this situation. Once again, oftentimes we're not willing to have, we're not willing to, to, to have faith to ask specifically. And so we don't know if God is guiding us into a prop, into a particular solution or not. One Two, something else we can learn from, from this guy, from uh, this servant, is that he was interested in God being successful. God, I want you to be successful. It says that thou hast appointed for thy servant. He was looking for God's will. He was looking for the girl that God had chosen for Isaac. It wasn't him making the choice. Okay. It was him looking for God to show him what he had already chosen. Once again, I feel like that many times we don't know if God is guiding us because we want God to approve our choice. We're the one making the choice, right? This is what I want, and so make it happen. <laughs> Instead of saying, God, you've already pre-chosen what you want. And I know that I can miss what you have pre-chosen. So please open my eyes and guide me into your pre-chosen plan for my life. That takes a lot of pressure off of us, doesn't it? Oftentimes, guys, we really put a lot of pressure on ourselves to figure out our life. That's what the world is obsessed with. They're obsessed with knowing the future, planning for the future, knowing how it's all going to come to pass. 
God gives us a lot of wisdom in his word on planning for the future in various ways. I mean, salvation is nothing more than planning for the future. But God didn't just say, okay, plan for your future. You know, yeah, you're going to die. You can either go to heaven or hell. You figure it out. No, he didn't do that, right? He gave us a plan. And, uh, and it's in his word. And it's very clear, right? So it, when we're looking for God's guidance, we need to be willing to pray so that when God answers the prayer, it's very clear, one, and then for two, we can see in verse 14, he says that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. So he's talking specifically about God, I want you to have your choice in this matter. Just, I mean, the servant was just, he doesn't care. He just doesn't want to fail, but he doesn't care who the girl is specifically, right? Now look at what God's choice is. This is actually very encouraging because oftentimes we are so scared of letting God choose for us. We think if I if I leave the choice up to God, he's going to pick something terrible. Mm-hmm. Right? He's going to give me the the worst life. Well, look at verse 15. It says and it came to pass before he before he had done speaking. Man, this is so cool. Before he finishes the prayer, it says that, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher on her shoulder. So here comes Abraham's brother. Now, Abraham's 140 years old at this time, 141, right? It says in verse 1, he was old and well-stricken in age. So the brother is not around. I think the brother's probably dead by this time. But here's, here's the daughter, now look at, look at God's choice in verse 16. Verse 16. And the damsel was very fair to look upon. Aren't you thankful that when God's will comes down for our life, it's like, thank you, Lord, that this is your will, right? Oftentimes, the devil's voice, the accuser, will always tell us, if you let God choose, he's going to pick the ugliest girl in the bunch so to speak, in this particular situation. God's like, no, if you let me choose, it's going to be a blessed choice. It's going to be a good choice. Verse 16, the damsel was very fair to look upon. She qualified, it says, a virgin. Neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. Now, went down to the well. Most likely, there were stairs leading down, right? to the mouth of the well. Verse 17, and the servant ran to meet her. Yeah, he was like, hey, I can't let this one get away. And said, let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. She said, drink my Lord. And she hastened and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him drink. Verse 19, and when he had done giving him drink, she said, here it is. Here's the answers. Here's the answer to prayer. I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. There it is, Right? She's not, she's not lazy. We can all learn from that. That's a, that's a good example there. Verse 20, and she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well to draw water. Man, look at this girl. She's running around. I mean, she's not lazy. She's, she's willing to help. Um, by the way, there's a really cool kind of a lesson, and maybe we'll expand on this a little bit more next week, and we'll try to finish out some details next week. 
But this can actually be an allegory between uh, basically the Holy Spirit, the servant, going to get the bride, which is the church, for the Son, who is Jesus Christ. So in this sense, Rebecca can kind of be a picture. It's an Old Testament picture of what the bride of Christ should be. So she's willing to serve, right? She's beautiful for the husband, completely dedicated to the future husband, which for us as the church is Christ. But then also look at, I mean, she's she's very willing to serve and that's the way the church should be for Jesus, right? We should be very willing to serve the Lord for Jesus, okay? That wasn't good grammar. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay, so it says, uh, verse 19, and when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. Now look at verse 21, guys, and this is where it comes to the topic of guidance. And the man, wondering at her, held his peace. To wit, whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. All of this is happening. And he's still he's still just like, yeah, I've still got some doubts. I'm still not completely sure. Guys, that is faith. That's the way faith works. There is always doubt mixed in there. <laughs> there is always doubt mixed in there. We need to understand that when God is guiding us to do something, there's always going to be a little bit of hesitation. Everything seems to be coming together and you're still like, is this really happening? Is this really God's choice? It's like, dude, she's she's drawing out water for 10 camels. She's running. She's a virgin. She's very beautiful. She's got the right relations. I mean, how can this not be? And it can be that clear sometimes in our life, and we still have doubt. So if that's you, and by the way, that's me, that's all of us, we need to, we need to take comfort in the fact that that's normal. It's normal when we ask God to guide us and bless, and we're trying to find his will and do things his way, and he brings everything together. Because it's so incredible and mysterious, there's some hesitation there. There's some doubt. There's some fear attached to living by faith. So it says in verse 22, and it came to pass as the camels had done drinking that the man took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of 10 shekels weight of gold and said, so when it's saying, uh, it's saying in verse 22 took a golden, so he took it and gave it to her, right? And said, whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee, is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she, which she bare unto Nahor. So she's naming her mother. Um, and verse 25, and she said, moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge in. And the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord, right? So there he's just like, this is, this is it. This is, this is the way it should be. Obviously, the rest of the chapter is devoted to him 
talking to the family, explaining who Abraham is, and then he gets her uh, consent, which the family also asks, will you go with him? She says yes. So it's not a kidnap bride type of a thing, right? Again, guys, a great picture of Jesus and his bride. He doesn't kidnap people, right? He never forces us into doing his will. He always gives us the choice. All right, so let's just have a few thoughts on guidance, and then we will finish up for tonight. Number one, don't guide your own heart. Don't guide your own heart. Proverbs 23, 19 says, Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. Okay, meaning we need to find out what God's way is, and then we need to guide our heart into God's way. But we're not on a self-guided tour of life. I remember on our honeymoon, actually, many years ago, we went to one of these incredible mansions in uh, North Carolina, the United States, and uh, they gave us these little uh, these headphones with a recording, and it was called a self-guided tour. They have these a lot at museums and stuff like that. Self-guided in the sense where you put the headphones on, and then as you walked through the different rooms, the recording would tell you about the room and what was happening in the room, but you went at your own pace. You didn't have a, an actual tour guide, right, who was standing in front of you and was leading. You didn't have a, an actual person. Sometimes we act like that when it comes to Christianity. We act like it's a self-guided tour. Like, I'm going to take the information, I'm going to process it, and then I'm going to go along at my own pace, and I'm going to do my thing with the information God gives me. Guys, we need to remember God is our guide. We have a personal guide when it comes to Christianity. Okay? When it comes to following the Lord, God is our guide. It says many verses if you just look up the word guide in the Bible, so many times it comes up, and most of the time it has to do with God guiding us. Um, uh, Psalm 48 and 14, for this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. Psalm 32 and 8, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Psalm 31, 3, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. God is our guide, right? So it's not a self-guided thing. Of course, wonderful verse that we all know, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Verse 7 also be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Okay? Um, we can see... It says in Psalm 25 and verse 9, the meek will he guide in judgment and the meek will he teach his way. All right. 
So as we look at this, we can see that the servant went at the instructions of Abraham. Okay, so if we kind of allow ourselves to think within the mindset of this servant, right? There's God, there's Abraham, there's the servant. He just gives him this job to do. Abraham was the boss. That's pretty much what it was. Abraham was his boss. And it was his responsibility to find a wife for Abraham's son so that the promise that God gave to Abraham would not be broken. Okay? Um, it was his job. It was his job. And we can see where this servant asked God to guide him in doing his job. All right? This is Old Testament. This is many, many years ago. But in just kind of a just kind of a normal everyday sense, we should ask God to guide us in all of the various daily things that we the decisions we have to make. When we're at work, we should ask God to 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 bless us and help us and guide us. When we are uh making financial decisions, cars to buy, houses to do to to what should we invest in? What should we what should we give to? What should we do this? What should we do that? We need to look to God for guidance. There is certainly a spiritual aspect here in the fact that Abraham wanted a wife for his son so the promise would not be broken, but in a way the servant it was again, it was just another it was just a job. It was just another day. He was a trusted servant. It was his responsibility. Um but he looked to God for guidance. It was important to him to do a good job for Abraham, but more importantly, we can see that this story, Abraham was there for sure. He's definitely a part of the story. And Isaac is definitely a part of the story. But really, this entire chapter is devoted mostly to this servant and God and their relationship at work, <laughs> right? And that is such a great lesson for us to learn that it's not just us going to church and being guided in the church and guided in worship and guided in reading our Bible and making what we think sometimes is spiritual decisions. God cares about how we do everything, okay? We need to bring God into everything that we do. Uh, listen to this verse in 1 Timothy 5.14. It's speaking to wives, young wives. It says, I will therefore, this is 1 Timothy 5.14, I will, therefore, that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. So here is God's word that's guiding young married ladies who, are, who have children, and it's saying you need to guide the house, but the word of God is guiding those whose responsibility it is to guide, <laughs> not to be too confusing. But... If we think about our own lives in just a moment, we need guidance as we guide our responsibilities and affairs. As we make decisions 
And as we try to be uh, good stewards of what God has given us, we try to make good, responsible decisions, we should look to God for guidance. It should, everything should be by faith. The Bible says whatsoever is that is not of faith is sin. And so we can use our faith in every aspect of our life. We can only expect God to guide us into the way that God supplies and approves. Okay, so we'll go ahead and we will stop right there. It's just kind of given me the notice that we have about five minutes or so left. So we'll continue on with this study next week and we'll dig a little bit deeper into this chapter. Um, But I love that phrase in verse 27 where it says, I being in the way the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren, right? He was just doing what God had called him that what God had called him to do, looking God to guide him and trying to be obedient to his boss. Okay? Any commentary? Anybody have anything yeah. you want to share? Yeah, at the beginning you said that uh, Laban was there. Laban, you said Laban, the brother? 